The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy actually work for small to medium-sized businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. And with this, we have one of our few two-time guest, Isabel Mercier. I'm super excited to have her on. She is a, I love her description, a no-nonsense dynamo, born to catapult heart-centered entrepreneurs and business leaders to build impactful brands, businesses, and lives. She is one of North America's top business influencers, best-selling author, two-time TEDx speaker with over 3 million views, TV show host, and brings over 25 years of branding, marketing, and customer experience expertise. Isabel, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast again. I'm so happy to be here again. Honestly, our first conversation was very potent, so I'm happy, and I look forward to this one. <laughs> I, well, I'm so excited about this because we, you know, you have a podcast going good. It's like, no, where is more we have to talk about? And what kind of drove the impetus is we recorded at the end of last year, end of 2022, and we're like, oh, this is going to, you know, Right, the end of the year is going to get people fired after 2023. Well, we were fired up and doing so well. Our branding discussions and our marketing discussions, we didn't talk about strategy. How do we as entrepreneurs and individuals be better? And this one's going to get released right near the end of March, or the end of a quarter, where you know, and I know we've already have broken our habits or our disciplines to not keep going back to Starbucks. If you're watching online, I have a Starbucks written up in my hand, hold it in my hand, which of course I could not hold back from the white chocolate mocha, which I'm getting these days. Typically it's a non-fat caramel macchiato, but I digress. But with this, right, we have these challenges and these things of like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And we fail two times out of 31 days and we call ourselves a failure. And by the end of March, we completely lost all our strength and we're just like, screw it. <laughs> we're just going to move forward and go back to our old habits. All right. So let's let's hit at the top, right? How do you get them? You know, we want to do something different. We want to be somewhere. I love you're in the background. You have mindset is everything, right? We want to go and do something different and we want to create some strategies to get there. How do you help? Let's start from the very beginning. How do you get the vision, the viewpoint, the concept that's going to get us motivated to change in the first place? Yeah, you know, we got to go, we got to really be clear about what is the 
what is the fuel behind what we want to create? Because it's never about what we want to create. There's often something that fuels us behind that. And by really connecting with what matters, what truly matters and what fuels us. I remember years ago, my coach, Kevin Lawrence at the time, still a great friend of mine today, you know, he always looked for creating accountability as best as, as best as we could all be accountable. Because at the end of the day, business and life, I view this a little bit like going to the Olympics and practicing for the Olympics. There's a lot of commonalities between sports and athleticism and business. And he would always look for the why of the why of the why behind something so that it wouldn't just be a thing that we wanted to do or accomplish, but it really connected more in the background with what truly matters. And I remember one of his clients, which was also a good friend of mine, uh, she was a photographer and this was in the days where it was film, not digital. And she loved to procrastinate this woman. I swear to God, it was just her, her best trait probably <laughs> was to procrastinate and then come coming in, coming in hot at the last minute. And so what he did is he went, we're going to create an architecture for accountability. So I believe in creating architecture for success. I don't ask myself, will I go to the gym today? It is in my architecture. And because it's in embedded in the architecture, it's more likely that I'm going to go do it than not because I don't have to ask myself every day. So that's what mm. I mean by architecture, right? Mm. So with him, it was, he knew that her photography, her films were very, very important. So he would say, how many rolls of films that, that have you captured in the last week? You know, she'd be like, she'd look in her purse and say, I've got six of them. He's like, give them to me and you will earn them back as you are staying accountable. So mm. it was so important to her because money was not the driver for her. Getting it done was not the driver for her. Losing a film, oh, that was a big driver for her. So for some people, it's money. For some people, it's something that is different and equally as important. And so that's what he would do. He would say, okay, how many do you have? Give them to me. And then you're going to earn them back as you, you know. And so it always marked me how he knew what to go and get to suddenly to have you really emotionally connected to really what you want to accomplish, as opposed to, oh, because everybody else in my industry accomplishes this or because, just because, you know. So really, but understanding what matters behind the thing is it's a little bit like the why of a company. If you don't know what your why is, it's going to be very difficult to plow through in tough times. You need to get reminded why the hell you're doing this, you know? <laughs> That's right. All right. <clears throat> Having that once again, the, the, the driver, the fuel, but I liked what you talked about earlier there is sometimes it's not about more it's taking away yes. what we can have actually what's interesting they've showed this in psychology studies we are way more 
motivated, our fear of losing money is actually bigger than our, our excitement for getting more money, right? right. Yeah. It's often why we make conservative decisions. It's often why we, we will sell when it started going down, even though it might bounce back up, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to lose more. So I love that where you're providing this kind of natural incentive of you, you've lost it until you earn it back, right? Yeah. You know, there's this carrot, if you may, that's, but it's at our soul of like our most important things. One person shared with me beforehand, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to have to contribute towards an organization that you despise. Right. Yeah. He's done that as well. Kevin has done that. When people say money is the driver, he'll say, okay, again, that he actually asked people to give him a certain amount of cat, like a thousand bucks. And, and then people will re-earn it back or exactly that, give it to an organization that you do not support because one, you can't, you can't shred money. It's illegal, right? You can't. And then of course, giving it to someone that you love would make it okay for you to not do what you need to do. So it's just, he, he's the one also that said to me, you know, the biggest tax you will ever pay in life isn't income tax, personal tax, isn't, it's the procrastination task because it costs so much and it costs energy and it costs your spark and it's dimming your bulb. And it also robs you of the results of you doing what, what matters, right? So he was saying, yeah, the greatest, the greatest tax is the procrastination task tax. So Isabel, well, I am so excited about you because you actually referred me to talk with Kevin. We are actually, matter of fact, recording after this episode. Nice. So you have just teed up Kevin perfectly. You know, people are going to be like, oh, I need to listen to this Kevin guru. And he truly is incredible. He is a true guru and has amazing. And so I'm, I'm thank you so much for the introduction because I can't wait to have him share his wisdom here soon. Awesome. So let's let's talk about these let's talk about strategy, right? Okay. Let's just status core. First of all, maybe definitionally just for, cause people have different definitions of strategy for you. What does strategy mean? You know, it means to have a, either a plan, an action plan, a path forward to lead to where you want it to lead and learn what needs to be learned along the way to get to the outcome. So my business, I always describe it as outcome overcome. So what is the outcome that I want to create? And then who do I need to become? What do I need to overcome in order to get there? And the strategy is a, a pathway. And I, I'm not going to say a shortcut. Sometimes it's a shortcut. And we all know that shortcuts, you know, there's not that many, right? It's about learning from other people's experience, other people's failures and successes in order to learn and move the needle forward. So a strategy is a pathway, hopefully a shortest pass pathway between where you are today and where you want to be in the future. I, first of all, I love the definitions that you provided there. So I'm glad I, I asked the question because it is always interesting. You said two things, which... I don't know if you intended, but for me, this is how I interpreted it. I love you said the overcome, but there's also this become. Yes. 
Okay. Yes. So, so often we might arrive somewhere, but we'll go right back to who we were or what our business was because that's where our habits were. Yes. So despite actually getting there, we will not stay there. We'll go right back to having our Starbucks coffees once again, right? right? Which I went to 330 times according to the records I had last year. Yes, that is like an all-time record, I think. Thank you, Starbucks. If their stock price is not up, I'll try to do, I will not beat that this year, just to clarify. You should have shares. <laughs> Yes, exactly. At least I'd feel better getting dividends, right? The dividends, right. Then, so you know. Right. So, help me as as we go. Let's talk about that becoming for a moment. Yeah. What does that mean to you? And and how how do you get to somewhere new where you don't either feel like you're worthy of, you don't feel like you deserve to be there, you um, feel like you're taking a shortcut, right? Because you're finding a better strategy. How do you help people overcome that? Well, amazingly, we have a herd of horses to really help us with that. As Margarita horses, this is going to be a bit of a departure from where you thought the conversation was going to go, but horses are amazing beings of wisdom and they read energies and they really go to the core of what is happening in the energy of this person, understanding and, and, and helping Margarita. Margarita speaks, <laughs> speaks horse, and then, and then we can help. Putting that aside, it really is about becoming. You know, if you wanna go somewhere you've never been before, chances are, you know, what got you here won't necessarily get you there. Who you've been all the way to today may not necessarily make you or help you go there. Now, that doesn't mean you need to become someone different. It means you become more of you. You need to own more of your badassery. You need to learn new ways of leading, new ways of doing things in order to, in order to get there. Anytime I, I've been put on a path of a massive challenge, that challenge was asking me to grow, asking me to become better, more compassionate, smarter in certain ways, more savvy in other ways. And it, it is truly about, like an Olympian doesn't go from not knowing the sport to the gold medal by not evolving, by not practicing time and time again, by not getting over some of the challenges and doubts and putters that we all have, no matter what level we're at, there's always the next level of mastery, right? And so I asked in one of my presentation, one of the questions that, that I built through COVID was, whom is this situation asking me to become? And I ask myself that often right now in my business, I am really working at de-lynchpinning myself, and I know we'll talk about that a bit as well, de-lynchpinning myself from some of the important parts of my business and some of, even some of the day-to-day -day that I feel I can only do, which is not true. So by wanting to de-lynchpin myself, I have to hire someone different to help me than whomever I already have on my team. I also need to really work with my coach 
at really stepping out of the way, my way, her way, in order to, and is it scary? Yes, it is. Do I think I can do it? Yes and no. I know I can because I've done it before. I'm just at the next level of it, you know? But truly, it is about whom is this situation asking me to step into in order for me to experience more freedom, in order for someone else to be able to run the business without my every approval of decisions, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we can go down two different paths, but I, let's 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 go ahead and let's talk a little bit more about this linchpin thing, because it first of all, for those who have not read the book Linchpin, which is a fantastic book by Daniel Pink, right? Do I get that right? Fantastic, highly recommend it. What is that? What is a linchpin? What is a linchpin activity? So, is about describe that. What does that mean? First of all, well, I have not read his book. However, what it means for me, I mean, we know that a linchpin. If you remove the linchpin, things fall apart. And so what I want is I want to look at where am I a linchpin and to reduce that, reduce the amount of linchpin that I am representing basically, right? And so in a business, of course, it's our babies. You know, if we're the owner operator of a business, it's our baby and we know the ins and outs of the business. And often we feel like only I can do this part. I have the mastery to do this part, only me. And, or you've tried to delegate certain of these things before and it didn't come back to you as you wanted it. And therefore you got discouraged and you thought, oh no, see, I'm right. No one can do it. So the key for me, because as human beings, we like to prove ourselves right. I would rather prove myself right that I can de-linchpin myself than I can't. Because proving myself right that I can't de-linchpin myself hurts me and it also hurts the growth of my company. And once you start understanding that, then it's, it's at least the first step. I think that's such a powerful like comment you made there. And what you were alluding to a bit is we ourselves will sabotage our own delinching, so to speak. Right. Right. Cause there's like, you know, Oh no, 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 no. This isn't done perfect. Or that's a slightly different style than I'm used to doing it. Or, and we don't even think, you know, we don't have at times, it sounds awful. The humility to understand that actually somebody might be able to actually do it better. Yeah. Right. Than us. So Anyways, there's just kind of like these big comments of like, those are big, like what I call more mental hurdles, right? Than they are actual hurdles. So let's just kind of go through this a little bit. So let, let's say you're, you're struggling with this, this concept of somebody else doing something because you know, you, you understand you can't grow as your business if you're still doing these activities. You need to do other things to expand the business. So you've recognized that, you know that. So you have, and you, and you've also driven to this excitement. How do you, how do you kind of keep this, what I call a shareholder most view, right? Or an ownership type view and pull yourself up, so to speak, and be able to look at the situation and go, this is either going to be good enough, good, as good or better, but more importantly, it's going to drive 
to a greater success of the business or the organization or the opportunity I have. How do you get to that point where you're actually looking at it properly without bias? Right, you're getting a point. You actually look at once again from an ownership shareholder, almost like a scout for a, a sports team, right? No, I recognize that this person's faster. I recognize that this person's better, and I'm pulling myself out of the equation, right, and not being biased towards myself. How do you get our mindset to get to that perspective where we can properly evaluate it and and, and pull ourselves out of it? I think the first step is to really understand and really own that it is possible for someone else to do it and do it well. It's got to start by that because if if I if I think no one can do it better than I do, then I then I'm doing it. I mean, again, mindset is everything and your mindset is like the undertow of an ocean. You know, if the undertow's going east, it doesn't matter how hard you are rowing west, the undertow is going east. So, for me, it's to really get myself in the belief that it is possible for others to do it equally good, if not better than I do. And by the way, millions of other companies have done so successfully. So I cannot be that, that important, that good, that this. No, it's my belief is for years, my belief was that no one could do it better than I did. And now I've completely shifted that to a point where I believe that I found a person who's going to prove me right on my new thinking. And we, I'm going to need to give this person some, some education, some information. Some, I need to set this person for success because I want to prove myself right that someone can help me de-lynchpin myself. Right. And I do know that control is the is is exactly what a business does not need in order to grow. It's the I don't know what the term is, emphasis or whatever the the it's the basically the sacrilege of growth. Right. So Mm -hmm. if I want to if I want my brand to help more people, then I need to know that when it's time for me to step out of the way and to let others do good within my culture, within the culture of my brand, of course, I have clear rules around what we do, what we don't do, why we do it this way and not that way, because it's the personality of my brand that I've created for 30 years. So I want that to live and get amplified but in order to amplify that there needs to be more people that have tentacles in my in in my business in different ways not just my tentacles right So we we go back to now we're gonna pop back to strategy again. And we can even do it along the lines of this concept of lynchman, but we don't have to getting to a new place, a new new direction. And and I agree with you. A lot of this has to do with is changing our habits, right? To help get towards that. We have to change what we do. What are some, if you may, hacks, tips, tricks, yeah. things that you have done and that you coach others to do to 
help us to, because I do agree with you. Actually, I hope if you do your strategies right, you will get to the result faster. There's no question. Actually, I have no doubt about that. That is 100% true. And certainly you're going to go faster than you just chugging along and trying, right? Mm-hmm. Without a plan, you know, I would say most of the time, right? Most of the time that's going to be true. Right. So t- tell us about this kind of concept of habits or discipline, whatever the term we want to use, because discipline is not a natural trait for most right it's it's actually something that's not not natural at all how do we how do we create these you know how do we create these new habits give us perhaps an example of a strategy somebody's trying to do and how do they then create habits to get that result to stick so one of the strategy that we have at leap zone for ourselves and that we also teach our clients is having every eighth week being a week where there's no meetings, no mm. nothing with clients, just you, some critical thinking time, as well as some understanding of where are we at? What should we be working on? Do we need to course correct? Do we need to pivot something from the plan? So we work in trimester. Most companies work in quarters. I like to work in trimester fashion because one, it's one more month to implement what needs to be implemented. And and I just like the, 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 the trifecta of that. So I like to work in trimester and then every eighth week, we, this is done in our calendar years in advance. We block off that week. There's no strategy session with clients. There's no meetings. There's no podcasting. There's just literally me, my business partner, and what our plan is, where we're at. And then the time that we have there to actually catch up implement something that we haven't had a moment to implement so we give ourselves the chance to because otherwise it's business business boom 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 meeting meeting and then you deliver for others and then never really for you so our goal is to move that to every six eventually but right now it's every eighth week that's an architecture it's already in your calendar and by the way um, we are more profitable and more we're, we've grown more and have become more profitable since actually implementing this. And you would think, ah, every eight weeks, not being with clients, possibly not billing as much, not leading retreats, that that would affect negatively the business. But no, it actually affects it positively. When you have time regularly to critically think and to course correct and to catch up on your own business, it actually pays dividends. It does require a bit of guts to get that started. And if your if your calendar is quite booked, like mine always is, the first time you do that, yeah, you're going to have to ask your assistant or yourself to just go and rebook some things to make that happen. But once the architecture is in place, then it's about having the discipline to do it when it's in front of you, right? Another strategy that we that we have is the strategy of, so two strategies that go together. One of them is scheduling our spontaneity time and two, having a, a gambling fund. So these two things actually kind of work hand in hand. All right, gambling fund. Okay, I, I'm gambling curious what this fund. means. So a gambling fund is we put money in in an account 
that, and it's not, it's not like there's millions of dollars in there by no means. It's just a small, a small amount of money. But when we want to test something, try something, when we want to, then we have a gambling fund. So it feels like our livelihood is not at stake. If this works, great bonus. If it doesn't work, no big deal. We have a fund for that. So we don't have to go into a mindset of, oh my God, we failed. We suck. It's that gambling fund is there for that. Similarly, we also book our spontaneity time. Now that's counterintuitive, I know, but you know, I like to be spontaneous in part with my business and with me as well. I'm a Quebecer. In Quebec, you know, we go knock at people's doors and we like, hey, can I come in for tea and coffee? Let's chat. This is like my culture. That's kind of how we are. I'm in BC now. That's not at all how it works in BC. You have to pre-book and pre-plan things months in advance if you want to see people. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't function that way. So Margarita and I have times booked in our calendar that say spontaneous time. We don't know what we're going to do, but we know that we're going to do something spontaneous in that time. So what that does is it continues fuel. It fuels us. It makes things fresh. It keeps things fresh, makes things fun. And it's already pre-planned. All we have to do is have the guts to go through it, have the guts to do it. So when I say a strategy is to create an architecture to help you win versus not to lose is good. So you pre-stage, you pre-book things in your calendar or you set things in motion and then all you, you don't have to wonder, am I going to do it? You just walk through the path that you've created for you. Right. And this, if you go to a church, you're not going to start screaming. Why? Because the architecture in a church is whispering. If you go to a bar, you're not going to whisper. Why? Because the architecture in a bar is noisy and you got to scream. If you flip the architectures and you put the, the whispering at the bar and the screaming at the, at the church, it would not last. It would not work. Why? Because there's predetermined habits and notions that are happening there. So as you said, Carl, earlier, when I go right, I need to go to a coffee shop. That's part of your winning architecture. You know that you need this, even if it's not a need and it's a want, doesn't matter. You know that you operate better when you're in a coffee shop versus in your home. I apologize. The phone right here rings never, but today it does. No, I love, I, I appreciate, I think that I love it how it's, it seems like so much of what you're doing is time blocking, if you may, calendar type, type approaching where you've determined, Hey, these are not only we're a blocker time, but this is how we're going to spend our time. So how do you, I could just imagine you, uh, you're doing your work, you're doing your retreats in your case, right? You know, what you're part of, big part of what your business is. And you stop and you have that Monday, let's just say for argument's sake, which is, which is your, your time period off. And you have a big client that all of a sudden they like, they want to meet on that or you even have a project that's what I call is more 
project oriented, you know, it's more client oriented. It's not what I call strategic oriented, right? You know, it's, it's, how do you get yourself to say no, right? You know, how do you get yourself to say no to actually stay disciplined? I will tell you how to do that. Tell you what, if you were in, if you were leading a retreat with a client and you were with a client and another client wanted to step into that time, what would you say? You would say, I'm already with a client then let's find another time. But for some reason, because it's you serving another client, it's okay. This is why we treat our own company like our very best client. Leap Zone is a very best client of Leap Zone. And if I'm in a, in a retreat with you, Carl, and your company and your team, how would you feel If I said, I'm sorry, we're going to need to take an hour or two break. I have another client to go attend to. You'd be like, what? That is ridiculous. But but we do that to ourselves day in and day out. So when I am planned to do something for myself, I act as if I'm with a client. I will even say to clients, I am with a client all that week. That's the truth. I am with me as a client. I'm not sitting there eating bonbons, filing my nails. I'm actually being strategic. I am working it. Just happens to be for my company. And you know what? You can't give what you don't have. So if your company is always like, you know, functioning like a, there's a couple of wheels that are always at the scrap, it's, it makes it very difficult for you to help more people and help smartly. So now having said that, doesn't mean that I have not made some exceptions to that rule. I'll give you an example of what, how I walked this line with Rogers Television. It was years ago, it was a Friday. And that Friday, we took our team to the fair. It, and Fridays were times where we spent with our team, meaning I am spending time with my own business. The phone rang. I should not have answered the phone, but I did when I saw it was Rogers television. So I picked up the phone, mistake number one. I, and then she wanted a meeting and in the spot, on the spot, to actually talk about a super rush project. I had come in highly recommended to her by someone else. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to displease the person who is referring me. So I felt the pressure of having this conversation with her. However, I thought to myself, I don't want to be a bad example to my own team. And I don't want to be a bad example. I don't want to set the tone for this person. If we are to work together, that they can actually have a meeting whenever they feel the need. So my answer to her was, I look forward to having this conversation with you. Can we book a meeting on Monday? Right now I am in my meeting with my team and um, I, I took the phone. I should not have, but anyways, she was like, well, right now is the time that I have and we need to have this meeting right now or else you run the risk of me having had this conversation with someone else. And I said, tell you what, this is super, both are very important to me and I need to walk my talk with my team today. 
So I will run the risk of not, if it's meant for us to work together, Monday should be a perfect time to have a meeting. I will be fully present with you, which you fully deserve, by the way. So she was a little annoyed and hung up. And then on Monday, she did call me back and she said, I want to work with people who are that committed to what is important on their plate, because one day on your plate will be me. And you will know how to say no to something else because you're actually fully committed to working with me. And we started a great relationship and it was based on me respecting my architecture. And now it could have gone wrong, right? I totally get it. It could have gone wrong. I was shaking after the call. I thought, well, maybe I did not do this well. This was ridiculous perhaps. But then I thought, no, if I had been with a client, she would have gotten my voicemail. I would not have gotten back to her until Monday. And this whole thing would have been what it would have been anyways. So Yes, it takes bravery and it takes guts and guts is often rewarded positively. Well, first of all, I think that's a great story. I think it's really fascinating how they were ultimately dismayed, but attracted to your integrity that you're maintaining for, for your values that you have internally. But I think something else you said that's also important is if they don't respect that, is that the type of client that you want to have, right? right? So I think there's way too many times where we feel this pressure of, for multiple reasons, we need this client, we need this customer, we need this revenue stream. And next thing we know, we're chasing our tail, trying to serve something that does not fit our model, but we were just doing because we thought we had to, right? To, and, and next thing you know, it ends up becoming a massive challenge for the rest of our, you know, forever long period, the time that that client is. And I think often we have to, when we have those weak periods, I think we, strategically we have to go, do we want to keep these type of clients? Because sometimes we think somebody's profitable, but when you look at it, they're not at all. And in fact, you bring a great point of one of our strategies is to eliminate first. So a lot of people go delegate, delegate, automate, automate, delegate. Why would you delegate or automate something that could be eliminated? So we always look, even when we look under the hood of our business, and I do that often, and it's it's hard to eliminate. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to eliminate that. You think it's valuable. And sometimes in order to know if something is valuable, you need to remove it to see if people go, what the hell? Where did that go? <laughs> so eliminate, then automate, then delegate. And I, that's the pathway that I like to look at things because Again, why would you delegate something to a human when it could potentially be organized or, or automated with a system, you know, like you having notes taken AI wise in a meeting versus someone typing their hearts out, you know? Yeah. And I love these tools, by the way, that we have. If those are wondering, yes, I use AI regularly for note taking and it's fantastic. It has saved me so much time because of course I was coached one time of, I need to provide a detailed set of notes and follow up. Well, I was finding that effort was hours at times. 
you know, of just of, of going through and recording. And then, and then if you can't get to it, it's longer. Well, next thing, you know, I, all this time got back and that, and the, this is actually more detailed. I can write notes because it's actually the truth. It's actually not only recorded, but it's transcribed. The transcription is usually pretty good. Right. But the recording, you can't question that, right? right. That is what it is. It, it's amazing. The, the value, but yeah, once again, I think this is a perfect example, but once again, I love what you talked about. Eliminate first, automate, and then delegate, right? Yeah. That's the three things. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, in your delegation, you know, it's an art and a science to delegate. Well, if something always comes back to you, not the way you want it, it most likely is the delegator first, right? Obviously, assuming you're delegating to the right people. However, it's an art and a science to delegate. There needs to be trust. It needs to be earned over time. And there needs to be milestones along the way. And, you know, having the person come back to you, not you. See, I try to set myself up to not be the safety net. As, as entrepreneurs and owners of businesses, we set ourselves up as a safety net all the time. I am guilty of it. And, and then we create, we create results that we don't want. We create people who are not able to make a decision and, and assume the consequences of their decisions because they rely on your thinking. So the question that I state the most in a day is when I get questions from my team is if I wasn't here, what would you do? If I wasn't here, what would you do? I wanna hear that train of thought from them because then we can elevate and tweak that train of thought along the way. But if I wasn't here, what would you do? I used to answer everybody's question because I like to serve. I like to give the answer. I like to, I like to help. Until you understand that the more you help, sometimes in too detailed way, the more you create tethers to you and the more you create a team that is incapable of making decisions for fear of making the wrong one. And that is something that I'm constantly working on. I'm not mentioning this because I've nailed these things. I mentioned this because they're present in my day-to-day -day and I continually work at them so that I can de-linchpin, de-tether myself and also help my team become more independent of what I think and how I would do it so that we can reach results that are the results that we want. It might not be exactly how I would have done it. And I'm what I'm working on right now is going from being meticulous to good enough without diminishing the excellence that we provide. Because meticulousness doesn't always lead to great places. And you know, it's it's there's a fine line between control and meticulousness and being detailed oriented and doing things good enough for them to be able to actually allow you to help more people, you know? 
and often that good enough is 10x compared to what they were getting beforehand, you know, and, and, and I think the, our value of good enough versus it's, it actually is excellent, but our own personal perspectives of it is different yeah. often because we ourselves, once again, are not doing it. Right. So we just have to get our way. I, so maybe we'll apply this to you specifically. I think it's the right thing to do here. I'm curious for yourself in this, I'll go back to the linchpin strategy. You're trying to de-lynch yourself. I love that concept, you know, how are you going to measure success with it for yourself? I will very clearly, because th there's three areas in particular that I feel like I am absolutely needed in these areas. And there's more than three, but right now I am really wanting to linchpin myself from these areas. One, the one area is project management. I do a lot of project management in the more complicated projects. And right now just hired someone who is going to, has a lot of experience in project management. So for me, the, the more time, the less time I invest project management, project managing, the more time I will actually have to invest on what truly matters, which is organizing better strategies to grow to the next level. And so for me, more time, it's going to be measured with more time that I can invest where it matters versus where someone, someone else can do that work. As well, this has been Amazing. Once again, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. I love these concepts today that you've, we've talked about in terms of strategy and habits and trying to de-linchpin ourselves, right? Because that is enabling us to grow to our next level, right? To really scale our business. And this, once again, could be any size. It could be, once again, whether you're a solopreneur or whether you're a Fortune 500 company, these are concepts that we continuously have to find ways at all different levels of the organization to expand and grow and, and find new ways. And I love once again, those three tips that you talked about, which is delete it, right? First, get rid of it and then delegate if you need to, you know, to help get through that. I think three great concepts. So is about how can people connect with you, with you and find out more about you? Leapzonestrategies.com is our main site. There's Leap TV episodes on there, Leap Tools tutorials, where I explain further some of the concepts we've talked about today. I also have an online program called Build to Rock. And Build to Rock, I teach a lot of these concepts, of course, in addition to helping you position yourself as the first, the best, or the only. I'm also on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Instagram. And you could also listen to your two, you have TEDx talks, right? You know, with over 3 million views. So this is somebody who once again has had a, has been an amazing impact out there in the world. I, I loved it. I think earlier, earlier episode, you talked about, oh, I was just trying to connect with a million and I already exceeded that, right? So, you know, you're going to the next level of yeah. how to make a greater impact to the world, which I just think is amazing. But thank you so much for being a two-time guest on the Measure Success podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for what you do. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, I hope you've enjoyed these strategies. I hope it's going to get you motivated to get to where you want to be and become in your new future. So with that, thank you so much for all the insights today. To all of our guests, we wish you, sorry, to our audience, we wish you the very best at measuring success. We wish you a great day. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.